All right, guys, it's time for the next level guy show. A men's interview, interest, and improvement-focused podcast featuring interviews with the greats from all industries to help you better your life. Each week, a new episode features an interview with one of the greats covering all aspects of their story, from life hacks to tips and protocols that have allowed them to live life on the next level. We then highlight concrete action steps that you can use to improve your life. And now, your host, Ian Dawson McKay. And today's guest is Rob Kelly. Rob Kelly, PhD, is a renowned addiction consultant who believes in treating the problem of addiction and not just the symptoms. He's worked for many years helping addicts and alcoholics to recover their lives from the disease of addiction. Based on his own experiences working with addicts and alcoholics over the last 20 years, a PhD in psychology from Oxford University, and as a recovered alcoholic himself, he's a triple threat against the disease of addiction. Dr. Kelly was the CEO of a thriving telecommunications company when the walls came crashing down on him due to alcoholism. He ended up homeless and broken on the streets of Manchester, England, until he found the courage to save himself. He's lectured on the subject of addiction at many high-profile universities, national conferences, public schools, churches, business organisations and hospitals, and is recognised as a leading authority on addiction recovery methods that are changing the lives all around the world. Dr. Kelly is currently the CEO of the Rob Kelly Recovery Group, an addiction recovery coaching company he created based on extensive research and behaviour studies that he conducted over the last 20 years. Dr. Kelly's methods may seem unconventional, leading to some people to refer to him as the Gordon Ramsay of the addiction world because of his direct, no-nonsense and candid approach to treating addiction. Dr. Kelly works to make the road of recovery less of a mystery tour. He's passionate about educating the public and professionals on the dangers of alcohol and drugs, and he shares his personal highs and lows as he struggled and overcame crippling alcoholism in the November 2019 release of the book, Daddy Daddy, Please Stop Drinking. And in this interview, we discuss the true causes of addiction, how our past is shaping our future, and how we can resolve the issues we're carrying around, why you need to and how to make amends, and so much more. The last 10 minutes of this is life-changing because recover how to make amends and truly let go of that burden that you're carrying around. And now, let's get to the interview. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. It's an honour to have somebody like you who's made such a, a you know an amazing impact in their life and changed it. Could you, for those who are maybe not sure of the name, could you give a quick introduction? Just how would you explain your amazing transformation? Well, my name's Dr. Rob Kelly. They call me the addiction doctor because that's what I specialise in, being an alcoholic and addict myself. So used to live in Manchester, now in the UK, uh, now in the USA, and it's just phenomenal. It really is. So how would you define, what's the difference between addiction and a bad habit? When does it become a problem? And when is it just, uh, you know, you've just maybe been on the sauce a few nights, too many, you know, you're maybe at Christmas time or that. When does it become that's a real issue? Well, mind-blowing time, guys. I'm just going to warn you right now. Alcoholics are born, they're not made. So what that means is I know people that drank more than me who were out Friday, Saturday night. They would drink me under the table, but they weren't alcoholic. So alcoholism is a predisposition. It's passed down from generation to generation. And it's basically rematched neural pathways 
with a basal ganglia that has a repeat on it that says that I'm going to self-destruct. So I'm a big advocate for, there's a difference between a Friday night drunk and a Friday night alcoholic. One needs to go to jail to sleep it off and one needs to go to treatment in a hospital before he kills himself. So that, that's the biggest difference. And, and people, and this is the research that we've done over the last 20 years, is we're, we like to think we're far more advanced in the addiction world than other people because alcohol has 1% to do with alcoholism uh, and the same with drugs. But the only difference with drug, drug addicts is drug addicts are made. Alcoholics are born, drug addicts are made with the addictive mm. personality. So 90% of people that come to us, in fact, more than that, 95% of people that come to us that are staunch heroin addicts, I ask them all the time, when did it start? It started in the doctor's office with painkillers. It is impressive that it's like how something that supposedly helps us can become an addiction. I mean, I've, I've, we all know an addict. We all know somebody who's struggling. Like um, I suffer from OCD. I have intrusive thoughts and things like that. So, you know, so I've had to go into antidepressants and things. Is the addiction where addiction and OCD similar in the, the brain setup as it would be in, you know, alcoholism and things like that? Or is there scopes of um, addiction? Yeah, I, I, yeah, there is in, in the test that, that we've done and the research that we've done is certain parts of the brain do light up the same. And this is where it's really difficult to tell. Everybody that's an alcoholic, and when I say alcoholic, guys, I mean drug addicts and everything, but I'm just going to say alcoholic for now because it's a mouthful. Everyone that alcoholics has depression. Most people alcoholics have OCDC, you know, ADHD, all this stuff that we hear about. So that's parts of the brain and it presents in the, in the same. So the symptoms of alcoholism would be, uh, for the outside person who are looking in, depression, can't stop drinking, uh, can't concentrate, lethargic, doesn't want to take part in anything that the family, you know, isolates in bedroom or makes a fool of himself every time he goes out. These are the traits that we look at as an alcoholic. But again, going back to uh, the 1% of alcohol, you see, everyone says to me, alcohol, Dr. Robbie, somebody who drinks too much, correct? No, it's not. It really isn't. It's got little to do with alcoholism. It's just a symptom. So when you get down to the root causes and conditions and what causes it, then you start seeing the other illnesses creep in and, and be part of, but still early in research. So I would agree, say yes, but more research needs to be done without a doubt. I love it. And that's why I'm so keen to have you on because it wasn't just a oh, 12 steps or oh, you just need to find God. You were actually <laughs> dealing with the, the root cause, the how um, was we drink too much, but you weren't, you were dealing with the why and not a lot of people cover that. So do you see similarities in what people come to you or is it just the personal journey? What, you know, what's causing it? Is, is there kind of a general, you know, is it that we can't deal with stress as men? We're told to be big and strong and tough. Mm. So we just drink heavy. Is it that we're not told how to deal with trauma? We're not told how to say our feelings. Do you see similarities in the men that come to you? I would say definitely. Yeah, there is traits. Without a doubt, most of them. So here's an interesting quote that I came up with. So uh, alcoholism has a, 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 a like a position where it, it enhances behavior, although alcoholism is not a behavioral problem. Okay, so we can't blame. We can't say, you know, you was born poor, so you're obviously you're an alcoholic. We can't say things mm -hmm. like that. But there are certain traits that you see within the journey of an alcoholic. Here's one tip of uh, everyone presents the same, depressed, all that stuff. But what happens in the journey is especially when they're married is the wife will come and say well he's not that bad and i warn him that it will be you know we've we've asked him certain questions S alcoholism is the only self-diagnosed illness in the world 
So I can't diagnose people, but I ask them certain questions and say, you're probably alcoholic. But the journey as a whole always ends up the same. Always, always, always with violence in the house, slapping the wife, dropping the baby, you know, being kicked out, always ends the same. And, and this lady adamantly told me that her husband didn't have a violent bone in his body. And I believed her, but I tried to explain the journey of alcoholism. It's a progressive illness. It never gets any better. It always gets worse. And in the end, our voice and our vicious comments are not enough. We need to strike out. And that's what we do. I punch my wife with our six-month-old baby in her arms and, and smash the side of her face in. I stabbed my wife three times one night because she won't let me finish my vodka, my bottle of vodka. These are the traits. These are some of the behavioral traits of, of, of alcoholics. Mm. I don't remember doing them incidents and loads more. But that's where we go, where we go into that deep blackout. And the only way out is violence because we can't fucking stand ourselves and we hate ourselves deeply for what we're doing. So alcoholism is not a choice. Many people think it is. Now, if you're heavily drinking or abusing alcohol, there is a choice. You know, wife's going to leave you. You know, doctor said, hey, stop drinking, Jimmy. Otherwise, you're going to. Yeah, most people can start moderate, but the alcoholic can't. And that, that's, that's a big difference. Because I remember you saying in another interview where, you know, you had to go, you left the kids at home because you had to go and get, you know, you had to get the guy in, open the shop early to get you, to, you know, to get you the bottle. And it's, I, I know I've, I've been through a similar situation where I was a cashier in a supermarket chain that it, it doesn't exist anymore. And, you know, you get people coming in suited and booted and they'd be buying a half bottle to stick in the briefcase before they went to work. And that was them functioning. Yeah. That was their, their way of doing it. But if you asked them, they weren't they didn't have a problem they just liked to drink and i think that's the problem it's we're we're not told to go and express your feelings to admit when something's wrong so like how does our brain self-sabotages you know i mean i've got an addictive brain if i start a new hobby i'm 100 percent into it that's why i never started smoking you know i want to be playing with it i want to be doing roll-ups i want to have lighters all <coughs> that kind of stuff how do we deal with like are there red flags that we can watch out for that or signs and how did you start your own dependency on alcohol were there things that popped up that you'd look back now and go oh god yeah that was bad <laughs> my first drink at the age of nine i didn't know nobody knew back then but that was my first uh continued journey until destruction it took 10 20 years but at the end of the day that was it right there so the the, the thing to look out for is when, when you take the first drink or when somebody gives you the first drink an alcoholic will always remember that even going back to, I had a girl once, six or seven months old, her father used to dip their handkerchief in and put it on her teeth to ease the, the teething. She remembered mm. that, you know, mm. and that's not normal. We don't, we don't remember stuff like that, but she did. So what happens is <coughs> uh, most, of the, uh, most of the addiction uh, in the brain is self-sabotaging behavior. So self-sabotaging neural pathways are ingrained into the brain because of predisposition and trauma. And you really have to look at trauma to understand because uh, with a normal person, the therapists talk about small T's and big T's, and that's fine. But with alcoholism and addiction, there's no such thing as small T's. They're all big T's. So normal patient, hey, where's the trauma? Like, oh, well, I never had a car crash. My family are not divorced. I've never been a plane crash. We're not even talking anywhere near that. You know, and then you go back in the story and they're trying to tell them, as, you know, they're telling them their childhood story. And it turns out that a mother said to her in early age, don't be so stupid. You can't go to college like your sister. 
wow, that's going to fuck you up for the rest of your life if you don't go back and clear that shit up in your mind, the inner child work, you know, and, and that's what happens is, you know, we, we all, alcoholics always look good at the beginning, you know, so I, I, I start a job, you know, it starts at nine o'clock, I'm there for eight, you know, nine to five, I'm still there at six. The CEO goes, hey, Rob, you're doing really, I'm so impressed with you, man. Give it three months. Fuck me, it's 11 o'clock. Where the fuck is Rob? You know, that's what happens because we self-sabotage. We're never good enough. So this is something I come up with. We're never tall enough, blonde enough, rich enough, or thin enough. That's just the way it is with us. You know, I can spot an alcoholic miles away or by something they say. I, I saw one the other day. He probably doesn't think he's an alcoholic. But the two guys go in. Hey, what do you want to eat? Sandwich. That's good. What do you want? Give me two sandwiches, uh, two, three bags of crisps. Give me two drinks. It's like the obsessive mind. It's never enough. Never, ever enough. And my personal journey shows that because when I come to America and we started, got a little apartment and we started, you know, working, my biggest dream was to have a hundred thousand dollars in my checking account. So we are over here. We have checking accounts where the normal transactions every day from credit cards and checks come out. Then you have your savings. Then you have, you know, your retirement stuff. My checking account, a hundred thousand dollars. That's fucking insane. Okay, but unless I got that, I wasn't feeling safe that it's all going to be taken away from me because that's my biggest fear. Once I got a hundred thousand, I said to my wife, you know, once I get one fifty, one fifty, you know, that that'll be good. Three hundred thousand dollars in the bank, and I still want three hundred fifty. And when I tell people that, when when it goes down, and this is the honest truth, and I'm not bragging, I fucking I wish I didn't have this, and this is my personal, you know, in depth you know, feelings and stuff where I don't normally share. But when that drops down from 350 to 348, I'm fucking panicking, thinking that all this is going to be lost. And I do, I've done some work on a lot of work on that, but that's just the way it is. So, you know, it's just the self-sabotage is is crazy how it works, on, especially untreated alcoholism. It's just crazy. It will kill you. It will ruin it. Alcohol doesn't kill us. The selfishness of oneself into this destruction of not being good enough kills us. I was smiling there because I, I was thinking it's so hit home that, you know, you hear these things that everybody kind of says, I can find, don't worry about it. And it's like, you know, I can sit there and I'll be self-sabotaging. As soon as I get a bit of a success with the podcast, I'll stop doing a podcast because I'm too busy in air quotes. Rather than going... Oh, I'm going to build on this. I'm going to do it, and I could. I can remember how many times I've hidden in the shadows because I didn't want to be seen because I was bullied in primary <laughs> school. And I think that's the thing. It's like we don't look at the small things that cause the tidal wave of shit that we deal with. We look at the big things. Oh, I'm not. My parents aren't divorced. I wasn't abused. I wasn't whatever it was. And I think that's a real struggle. And then you get people who are far too much. And they start going, hit rock bottom, okay, struggle with addiction. <laughs> they don't feel like they're worth saving. They don't feel like they're good enough or that they can be saved. I mean, I suffer from depression and things like that. How does low moods affect us in our sort of destructive habits? How have you found, you know, even though they, maybe they're dealing with you and they know that they're struggling, how can they change that? You know, how can we start changing that mindset that everybody is worth it? It's it's amazing. It's amazing what we do. This is the most proud part, part of what we do because I first of all say to patients, first of all, uh, if you don't feel good enough, if you never feel you're going to achieve anything, 
if you never feel you're worthy, I want to apologize to you because somebody's put that there. We're born with million dollar minds. If we hang around 10 cent minds, that's what we're going to become. So I said to my patients, if we could swap, this is day one into the fifth minute of the, of the first session. If we could swap places for three minutes, all your problems would be over. And they look at me and go, I don't understand. You don't see what everyone else sees. You don't see the potential you have. And when they start thinking about that, it's like enough of the self-sabotage. You are the leader that, that you think everybody else is. People are looking up to you to, to, to grab hold of this. And we, and we go through uh, the session kind of building people up and letting them know exactly who they are. And uh, all of a sudden, <clears throat> we'll start feeling better then. And, and I, I watch, we have cameras on the outside of the office for one reason only, and because this, this is how in-depth we study. So after the first session, we watch that guy or girl leave the office and walk down the corridor. We have a camera on them, and they fucking walk differently than when they came in. Head up, Love it. chest out a little bit, and that's all it mm. needs, that seed. And we'll go to it. Any length. We, we had a guy who was an Irish pub, my friend owner, a small one, and we had a young kid in. He's 22, 23 out. Uh, he's got Asperger's, um, just slightly on the spectrum. Never had a girlfriend, 23 years old. Never thought he would have a girlfriend. I knew he just wanted, he just needed one little incident to, to, to make him worthy of being a boyfriend. So we hired the pub and we put 10, 15, I don't know how many couples in and girls in. And, you know, it looked like a normal pub and you went in. And when we hired these models to come in and we stood at the bar with this guy and I said, look, we're talking about relationships and how to, how to chat a girl up. And he's like, there's no way, there's just no fucking way. Can I do this? And I said, if you could have anybody around here, who would you have? And he looked around, he said, that blonde over there. I said, right. And I grabbed him by the wrist and we walked over and we sat down as children together. Now I pre-warned them that this guy has a Mustang car and he loves Mustang cars. So one of the girls happens to be the blonde one, two minutes into talk, can we sit down with you? And of course, a lot, a lot younger than me. I sit down, I buy you a meal and everything, you know, just, just to have some company with my friend here. Yeah, of course, sit down, sit down. And the blonde girl says, I can't stay long. I park my Mustang on double yellow lines. Well, straight away is like Mustang. You have, you have a Mustang. Oh yeah, I love Mustang. They get into a conversation. We leave me and the other girl. Of course, I'm paying her, both of them and hiring them. Anyway, they chatted for two hours. At the end, they shook hands, give a little bit of a hug and they come away. Within three days, that guy was dating. Because we only, have, we mm -hmm. never see how valuable we are. We never see how good looking. And this is another scenario that I always have. And I tell people, you know, I was, me and my friend were sifting through old photographs when we were about 1920. Now I used to be a semi-pro bodybuilder back in the day, won all the titles, all that shit. But we said, Rob, Rob, come on here, look, look. Oh my God, look at us. God, we looked amazing. And I said, wow, and look how thin we were. Look at our waists. Look how big the arms were. And like, oh my God. Those were the days, Rob. And I studied my tracks and I went, yeah, Jimmy, but we didn't know those were the days then. And even further, mm. what if today's one of those fucking days? And we locked eyes. And ever since that day, it's like today is one of those days that you're going to look back on. So we may as well enjoy it today. And with that mindset, because we changed the mindset with NLP, Neuro Language Programming, Somatic Experience and Psychology with Brain Spotting. And the, the, the self-care neural pathways click in. The self-sabotage kind of get worn out a little bit and not used as much. And then we send them forward with this absolutely proud, confident guy who starts attracting people because we, we attract what we think we are worth. 
You know, so if you're thinking you're going to know something, you're an alcoholic, you're going to attract an alcoholic. It's all energy. Believe me, you are. The mind is inside the brain. The mind and the brain are not the same. The mind is energy. The brain is kind of muscle. It's an organ you can touch. You can't touch the energy. But when you, they'll say it all the time. How come I keep attracting the same guy who's an alcoholic and keep, at the end, he beat me. And I say, what was your dad's relationship like with your mom? Well, he used to be, oh, it's like we carry this stuff on. Monkey mm-hmm. see, monkey do, all the time. That, that really hit home with me just now because I've done CBT. You know, I've done NL, I've read up on NLP. And when somebody said to me, you're not your thoughts, that's just mm-hmm. your brain putting out what it's taken in from the environment and what it thinks you want to hear. And, you know, that's not your story. I was like, what the? F-? Yeah, it blew my mind. Yeah. I had a guest on called Brent Smith, and he said, you can change your story straight away. You just decide, nope, this is who I am now. And I yeah. was like, what? That, that was mind-blowing to me. But how, if somebody is listening to this just now and is thinking, right, but I want, I've done something really bad. It could be criminal. It could be <laughs> like, when I mean, I'm still regretting stuff I did when I was 15 years ago. Completely different yeah. person, you know. How do we stop hating ourselves? Because I was really keen to have you on because you don't just help people fix the symptom. You recover people's lives. How yeah. do we stop hating ourselves and start well, thinking? Well, the the past is uh, is our greatest asset when we're working with other people similar to us. But we have to remember that our past doesn't define who we are. So if I go in the back, if I get up in the morning, stub my toe, bang my head, come out, not, I've not buttoned my shirt properly, I stop and I start the day all over again right there. So you're so right in when you say, you know, I can start right now, change it. Of course you can. Fucking quantum physics tells us that. You know, most people don't know mm. this, but quantum physics, a real science on a basketball court, for instance, says I can be there 25 places at the same fucking time in every position available. So what I do is I visualize myself near the goal. So when I get the ball, bang it in the net, I'm going to be the hitter with a game. And everybody asks the same question. How are you going to get there, Rob? I'm going to walk over and take that fucking position. That's what I'm going to do. I'm not going to beg for it. I'm not going to ask for it. I'm walking over and taking it. And that's one of the main things of changing people's lives is to don't think this is possible. You know, the same question or the answer you used to get all the time up until about six years ago. Well, I can't be president of the United States. We had a fucking business on running the, running, the, running the fucking country. Don't, I mean, forget the political views. Don't tell me you can't do anything. You know, we can do anything we want to do and we can change neural pathways and we can remold the brain. You know, neuroplasticity is what I specialize in. We can remold that brain. So once we take them through and and see the habits change and the more confidence that they get, the past becomes an asset. It's like when they took my kids off me, um, which is a horrific story. And when I was homeless, horrific. And when I stabbed my wife three times, hor- them all are horrific. But you know, today... I've made peace with all that. And when I tell my story and I mention them things, all the women start crying, first of all, especially when the, the, the kids were taken off me. It's such a harrowing situation. But everybody identifies with that. So it, it is our past is our greatest asset going forward, but it doesn't, it, it doesn't and shouldn't define us. So it's all about the work around that trauma. Everybody does bad things. People think the next guy next to you is living a life like crazy, look at him, look at him, look at him. The only reason the fucking grass is green the next door is you're not taking care of your fucking grass. That's the only reason. Mm. And we do that by going, we call it the scene of the crime. 
Let's go back to that that thing, that stabbing, that shot, that that molest, molestation, whatever it is. Let's go back there and let's start to heal that shit up to move forward. So then it doesn't become it doesn't become a burden. It becomes an asset because we can we can't do anything about the past, but we can sure do our work around it. And anyway, when I was molested, it wasn't my fault. You're, you're so right there, but here's where you're wrong. You should have done something about it before today. You should have gone back. You keep digging it mm. down. And when we look at when we look at a deer being hit by a car, uh, this, it's interesting. This uh, somatic experience. When a deer gets hit by a car but doesn't die, it will stay. It will stay motionless for about two or three seconds. Then it jumps up, and studies have shown that it shakes violently for about three to five seconds. Then it runs off. The deer has never suffered from that trauma ever since. It'll still cross the road and it'll, because they, they shake it off there and then. Human beings don't do that. They stuff it down and stuff it down and stuff it down. And when you have the addicted, self-sabotaging brain, when I say, what about the past? You're always going to go to, well, I stabbed this guy once. What about the other fucking amazing billion things you did? But we go straight to there. So we have to clear that stuff up. So how do you start working with that? I mean, because, you know, the VP... A lot of the guys I have on go on and say, well, you do this, do this, this will change your life. This will make you a better jiu-jitsu player. This will make you a better footballer, whatever it is. At what point do we, I haven't had somebody on like yourself who's gone, I've done some bad things, but I've moved on from it. I've learned from it, and I've learned how to love myself again. And I think that's why I was so delighted to have you on, was we don't get that. We always seem to be told that you have to be perfect to then start changing. <coughs> I'm, I'm imperfectly, I'm uh, imperfect today. I'm perfectly imperfect today. And once we start, we all look at the magazines and we all see movies and old TV shows and we thought, wow, I'd like to be that, that guy. That guy's still got problems. That guy still knows an addict's an alcoholic and if he doesn't, it's probably him. So going back to the incident and planting words and sentences in one's brain, NLP, without them knowing. And there's not many things I brag about. Two things I can brag about. I play, I'm a great musician. I can play any instrument and I get people well using NLP and psychology because mm. what I will slip into a sentence in, like I have done already and people have spotted it, email me. Um, that's what our brain keeps hold of. And the more we do that, the more the brain will change. So it's not a matter of, well, you go out tomorrow and you be the best person you could be and everything's going to be. No, we fucking won't. You're still going to self-sabotage. You know, we don't need rah-rah guys in this industry. We need guys that are educated about neuroscience to go back and permanently change it. So if, if you get one morning and feel good, think, wow, I've done a couple of sessions. I'm going to tell you that's going to be the feeling you're going to have for the rest of your fucking life. Don't, if this is not temporary. This is permanent. And when I'm, when I'm telling you this, you start to believe it. If I tell you a lie, you might believe it. You might not. And if I tell you, Often enough, you're going to believe it. But if I tell you real often enough, I'm going to start to believe it also. That's the power of the brain and the mind is what mm. we hear is how we feel. Yeah. And what, and how we feel about ourselves and what we see is how we feel. We watch a sad movie. We cry all stuff like that. If you hear this stuff about ourselves, that's awesome and positive. We're going to start to believe it. It's like if I hung around nine depressed guys, I will become the 10th. If I hang around, Nine positive guys, I will be positive and successful. It's the mirroring part of the brain. You know, salespeople have been using this for years. Take a salesman out. I, he crosses his legs, you cross your legs. He orders orange juice, you order orange juice. It goes back to the apes and the monkeys that I studied for a year in fucking Blackpool fucking zoo that my, my uh, mentor had me going to uh, at college. 
you know, we've got to look at these behaviors that are being passed on. It's called a measurement, you know. So once I start mm-hmm. to change that, NLP really takes off, you know, because when, if I compliment somebody today, if I say, Ian, this is the best show I've ever been on, you, you go, oh, fucking hell, Rob, that's awesome. But secondly, dopamine's released into my brain. Now, dopamine's a feel-good drug, a chemical, and it's free, you know? So the more we lift each other up, the more you'll start feeling that I am good enough because the only difference between the guy sat at home thinking he's useless and the guy, the CEO of that multi-million dollar company is one difference, and that's you don't think you can do it, and he does. That's the only difference. Don't forget about college. It's 2022. In fact, Elon Musk does not want you to have a college degree. You know, it's like you've got to use your own mind, your own experience, your own get up and go. And everybody can do this. No, there's no way can you not do this. Because it's like when you said, you know, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. Yes. It's like it's like that statement of like, you know, are you depressed or are you just hanging around with arsehole's? You know, it's yes. Uh, yes. I, I love that kind of attitude of like, it's who you're hanging around with that causes it. It's the environment you're in. And that's why I think this sort of 12-step approach is wrong because they're treating the symptoms. You're not treating the root cause. You're not actually looking at why they're doing it. So how does neuroplasticity and like somatic experiencing and these sort of things, how do you start working with somebody to actually start addressing it? And, you know, because you're known as the Gordon Ramsay of addiction. How do you cut through? I can see why you're so, being so successful. How do you cut through the bullshit? No, I'm fine. I'm fine. And actually get a deep level change started. My style is different to anybody else's style. I, you know, people will come in, sign you up, go and see a therapist for three or four years over here. We don't do that. If you're not ready, you're not ready. You've got to pass an assessment before we take you on, you know? So I'm good. He's taking out the vocabulary straight away. No one's fucking good until they've done all their work. And then they live in this amazing fucking world, but nobody's good. Everyone's suffering from something. And it's a relief to hear that for, for the patient. It's like, wow, okay. I understand that. And then we plant certain things in the head about them. It depends on what the, what the deal is in sentences. Now we did a, and it's just like you said, show me your friends. I'll show you a feature. Uh, we did an experiment once with a guy. I used to have offices in Dallas. We used to live there. And this guy was a Dr. Pepper. Now Dr. Pepper for those English guys is the, the drink, Texas drink. It's like everybody drinks it. They don't like Coke. Everyone drinks. So if someone asks for a soda, it's always Dr. Pepper. And this guy was a cowboy, the hat, the boots, the ranch, everything. Dr. Pepper was his deal. Often we go, we're not running out of, we've got Coke. Yes, go to the store and buy me Dr. Pepper. And that's what we did. So one day, because I said I can change his mind. And all the other doctors around me goes, it's, that's, that's not possible. He's a Dr. Pepper guy. I mean, you just can't do it. So I said to him one day, I said, would you go, uh, we're going to do an experiment. Will you go for a drive with my guy? He wants to show you around some of the places in Dallas. Oh yeah, I'd love to. So we took him down. So my driver was, was the route was already planned. We went, we went, we passed out straight away. And as soon as you come up the car park, there's a guy there, one of my guys drinking a bottle, a bottle of Coca-Cola, a bottle, not a little can, a bottle of Coca-Cola with the Coca-Cola sign towards the car. And he looked over and he looked the other way and then they drove out. Didn't take any notice of it. We went by three or four billboards that had Coca-Cola advertisements on them. <clears throat> my friend in the car driving would uh, be drinking Coca-Cola. When we got back to the office, the, the walkway into the big doors of the office, there was a thrown away can of Coke on the floor, which subconsciously he saw. He saw the guy when we first came out drinking the bottle, but he didn't take it in, but the subconscious brain did. 
that's where the, every disease lies. It's a subconscious brain. So it's planted in there. When we come into the reception, he walked in and my assistant said, hey, what are you having? John, the same? And he went, ah, let me try one of them Coca-Colas. I swear to God, that's what happened. Because what we plant in the brain is what we become. So that the mm. subconscious brain is where all the trauma is. Because people come to me, I don't remember any trauma. We take them back and we start listening to what mom and dad used to say, what they say, how many fights they have. And we start working on that because it's what the, 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 the subconscious brain carries all that bad shit. Everything we see, hear, feel, everything in the world that we've ever seen since birth is stored in that subconscious brain. So what happens is I go through, I've not dealt with my stuff. So I go through, let's say an interview. Well, I remember my dad saying years ago that you'll never amount to anything. You can't even manage yourself. It might be a manager of anybody else. And I'm walking into that interview room to become a manager of that company. And all of a sudden, because my self-sabotaging your pathways, that thought will flip. And it will flip over to the prefrontal cortex. And the prefrontal cortex is our quick decision-making. You know, it really has to come mm -hmm. on. So the prefrontal cortex has one job and one job only. And that's to come up with a solution to your problem as quick as it fucking can. And it's really good at its job. The only problem being it doesn't have to be the right solution. So just before I touch that door and step over the threshold, my dad's voice will come. You're not fucking good enough to do this. Who do you think you are? And you will mess the interview up because when you walk out, the subconscious brain goes, dad was right. Because the mirroring part of the brain wants to identify with dad because you've got no other boys. You've got no love. He never told you he'd love you. He always knew he was going to fail. So that sick identification, the subconscious got, oh yeah, dad was right. Yeah, he was right. So this is kind of comforting to me. It's fucked up, Ian. It's fucked up. But that's the way we think. Uh, that rang a lot of bells. You know, I'm think I can remember times when I've been really stressed about to go on stage or speak to students or whatever it is, and I can remember randomly thinking about sh shit that 15 years ago and going, yeah. "What the? You know, why am I thinking of this now?" I can yeah. remember dealing with a bad breakup and having a conversation with somebody, and it was like two different mindsets were playing. I was mm. chatting to the person in autopilot, and the whole time my brain was going. Oh, think of missing her. Think of what we're going to do. And I was just like, "How could? How, but I could perform at a high level." Yeah. But you know, there's that stigma around alcoholics. I can't get out of bed. They're always in the guy. They're always this and that. There's people with a lot of problems who can still highly function, but yeah. they're working around it. How do you then start working with somebody to start? You know, how, why is this a direct approach that you've found working so well compared to the 12 steps, compared to the way, I mean, you shape a lot of addiction thinking and training nowadays. How have you noticed it change? Why do we still have this? You go to a doctor, he puts you to Alcoholic Anonymous. How do we get past this kind of thinking in the, in the medical industry? Well, the first thing we've got to say is that the pharmaceutical company run America, end of story. So if you're not sick, they don't want to know you. There's no money in recovery. There's no money in research in recovery because if they can't give you a pill or stick you in a treatment center for 30000 a month, then what use you are to them. That, that's the worst thing uh, at all. So here's where it all started for me. I shot the brain. I, I just, you know, I, I'm, I'm a fucking beast in therapy. And, and the Texas Medical Board and everyone else hates me. And I bounce around this fine line of, oh yes, come in, everything's gonna be okay. No, if, sit down, let me tell you something straight off. 
If you don't fucking do this, you will die. Do you understand that? Now get the fuck out of the office and think about that. So the direct approach shocks the disease. Okay. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh my God. Oh my God. So going back to the liquor store, six is five 30 in the morning. I've got a vest on shorts and flip flops. I'm fucking sweating like crazy. It's snowing, but I know I'm going into DTs. I need alcohol in my body. So Pakistan is shot. Love the guy. Opens the door at six, not allowed to sell until 10 alcohol. It's a news, a news agent, but he knows me. He puts the bottle of, of, of uh, vodka on the counter. I give him my 10 pounds and I was shaking. I had a banging headache. I was feeling like shit. I just needed alcohol. And I put my hand on the, on the handle of the bottle. And this was my reaction. <laughs> headache went immediately. Shaking stopped immediately. I start to feel amazing. I'm chatting to the, and all of a sudden I looked at the bottle. I looked at the shopkeeper, looked back at the bottle and it hit me. It's not the fucking alcohol. That was the major, major, uh, decision that it's got nothing to do with it. So what the fuck is wrong with me? And then we go back to the brain side, uh, uh the, the neural, uh, part of, of the disease, which is mostly, you know, um, mostly the, the stuff in the subconscious brain that causes. So stepping into that work, stepping into that understanding, knowledge is mm. powerful in this game. Like the stuff I've just said to you, Ian, you know, oh, I identify that. Oh, my God, that was me. Oh, my God. I can do that because I've been there. Most therapists and doctors who deal with alcoholism are baffled. They go, well, I'm reading this book from 1970s, and it says that alcohol is a sin. Drunkenness is a sin. It's like, we're way off that. We're way off choices. I don't make a choice to drink and fucking my kids taken off me. That's not mm. a choice I had. So then we go back to the brain. So what's distorted in the brain? Well, the hypothalamus sat at the base towards the back of the brain. It's a fight or flight part of the brain. It, when you're born as a child, we don't have to teach the child, you need to eat this. It'll already have its hand in its mouth or it'll cry for food. That's the hypothalamus, the fight or flight part of the deal. And what happens is the hypothalamus as we grow up, it, it tells us it's a survival part. It tells, hey, listen, Mr. Rob, you have to drink water and you have to eat food to survive, which is what we all do. We'd have to be taught that, that we have to be taught how to, you know, ride a bike. No, this is automatically what the brain tells us. When we cross over from heavy drinking or abusing alcohol into alcoholism, so there's history in the family that you're an alcoholic, the hypothalamus tells me to drink alcohol. That's why alcoholics can go days and weeks without water or food. They just survive on alcohol. So that part of the brain, it's my brain, for God's sake. It it runs my life, you know? And the basal ganglia is the repetition, 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 strength and confirms part of the brain. That's messed up. That's distorted from the neural pathways passed on and the self-sabotage passed on uh, from my dad or or my, my uncle or whatever it may be through lineage. And, and, and that needs, that need, we need to chink into that. So just saying, go to a, go to a meeting. Meetings will never keep you sober, guys. The fellowship. In actual fact, if you want to talk about meetings, the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, that's the Alcoholics Anonymous. That ain't the, that ain't, we're not going to the, to Alcoholics Anonymous. We're going to the fellowship of that book, you know? So the 12 steps are always not going to work for anybody if you don't understand what you're doing. Now, nine or 10 times, if you do it properly and read the book, there's so much stuff in that book that people don't understand. You know, it's a great piece of literature, the first 164. It's a great medical piece of literature because they talk about psychic change 70 years ago. Psychic of the mind change, change of mind 10 years ago. The medical Mm -hmm. fraternity are all celebrating. We can change the way we think, change neural pathways. 
This guy had it back then, but it's not being converted properly. So sending someone to a meeting is either, hey, if you just go to a meeting, you hang If you pick one of those meetings, that's a piss and moan meeting. You're going to start pissing them on. You're going to fucking die if you're the real deal. So that's where we come away. We never tell people. I'm a great AA guy. I love it to bits. I love the fellowship. I do a lot of speaking on behalf. But never going to tell a patient to go to AA. Never going to fucking do it, you know, because it's more psychological. Now, if you decide to go, amazing. But step four does not cover the deep trauma that's fucking me up. End of story. It's time for a quick break. There are millions of potential products to buy, so how do you know which ones are worth your hard-earned money? Simple. You go to nextlevelguy.com slash affiliates and explore those that will transform and improve your life. You'll find deals, listener exclusives, and special offers with some great companies. Recommendations are 100% honest and only on items Ian has tried or believes in. The companies showcased will make you a better man in all areas of your life. Simply go to nextlevelguy.com slash affiliates and level up. I love it. I, I can see how you've had been so successful. You're actually addressing issues that a lot of people are going, yeah, yeah, I'm going to improve my body. I'm going to improve my, I'm going to learn a new skill or language. But no, you're not touching that dark shit. You know, I'm not putting a light on that side of me. That'll, I'll take that to the grave. I won't, I won't do anything that potentially could get me into trouble or, you know, really That's address. what you just said, Ian. That's exactly what I tell people. What's the stuff you're taking to your grave? I'm not interested in, in, you stole $10 off your mum 40 years ago. That's, that fucking, what's the stuff you're taking to your brain? And this is what I always get. Well, I was molested as a child, but I dealt with that. Oh, really? Did you really? What's mm-hmm. your relationship like? Well, I've not got a girlfriend or wife now. I split up. Okay, was that around intimacy? Well, kind of. Well, there you go. You're not dealt with it. If you're asking somebody for trauma from the past and they go, well, you know, it was the molestation, but I've dealt with it. No, you haven't. Otherwise, you won't bring that up. You only bring that up from experience and telling people. You don't bring it up and ask you what's your trauma in the past. So everyone, you're right. Everyone everyone thinks you've dealt with it. What's the stuff that you're going to take to the grave? What's the stuff that you want to tell me because you think I'm not going to like you after you tell me that shit, you know? What's the stuff that's killing you? And let's look at the root cause of that. What damage did they do, you know, that they do? You ever remember as a kiddie, and I know we did, you know, in, in the streets of Manchester, Moss Side is where I grew up. For those guys who don't know Moss Side, it's a bit like Beirut with fucking lights. It's rough around there. But we're yep. playing football outside, you know, a few guys and little kids and my dad's watching me. He's like, who do you want to be, Jimmy? Oh, I want to be a rock star. What about you, Bill? I want to be a fireman. What about you, Rob? I want to be a football player. You know all them great dreams? What happened to them dreams? I'll tell you. Fucking family and society kicked the shit out of them for you. That's what they did. Don't be so stupid. You can't be a footballer. Fucking says who? Says who? That's one of our biggest sayings today. But that's the damage that they do. And they, and they, I'm not blaming parents. Shit. You didn't know. There's no manual for bringing kids up. We're only finding this out in the last 10, 15, 20 years is what you tell a child is probably going to become, you know? So the stuff we're taking to the grave, just, well, my dad did this. I walked in and my dad having sex with another woman. Yeah, I've dealt with that. No, you haven't. You haven't. Because what you're seeing there is abandonment that your dad doesn't love you because he's with another person. That's the shit that's hurting. The abandonment, the shame, the remorse, the guilt over that. The stuff that we carry from a measurement for our kids, that's what's going to fucking kill you. So we don't take any shit when people come in. 
What's the trauma? I don't have any. Fuck off out the office, you lying fuck. Of course you have trauma. Everybody mm. does. So don't come that shit with me. That's the stuff I say. And like I say, not a treatment. Well, most treatment centers hate me and I fucking hate them. So we're good with that. Uh, we're the only company in the world, the world that offers you a money back guarantee. If you relapse while continuing to do our program, the fucking world, we have a 97% success rate. Treatment centers have a 3% success rate. AA sitting at about 5% success rate. We know what the fuck we're doing. And I'm cocky and I'm loud mouth and I'm direct. But you know, you follow me on one day into my house and watch me play with my three English bulldogs. Watch me hug my wife at nighttime. Watch me speak gently in the house like a kind person should. Watch me give $150,000 last year to people who needed it. Not a charity, people, individual people that I thought needed it. Money to get the kids back. Money for trials, courts, solicitors, attorneys, barristers. I have a little car. I have whatever. it. Look at that side of me. You see, if I come up and sat down in front of him and say, hey, listen, Ian, you know, I know you've got a problem. You know, it's going to be okay. It's good. No, it's fucking not. You know, and people don't like me for that. But you go back in generations to, and it took me a long time to say this, Ian, a long time. I couldn't even accept a compliment. But you look at geniuses in the past. First of all, they're mocked. The government always says that if you want to get rid of conspiracy, mock somebody. So everyone laughs. I was mocked. I was laughed at. I was trying to be destroyed by about three people in the last 15 years who want to destroy me. He's not this. He's not that. He's not from England. He didn't go to college. I don't know what the fuck he's talking about. These things come and they go. You see, you've got to be, you've got to believe in yourself. You've got to believe that you can change lives on a daily basis. Otherwise, what the fuck are we doing? You're not going to come to mm -hmm. me for three years. Every hour that I charge you $200, I'm not going to do that. Wasting my time and it's wasting yours. What are the causes and conditions that you take into the grave? And knowledge is powerful. Well, I didn't know when I saw my dad do that with another woman, it made me feel abandoned. Huge abandonment. We don't even know what abandonment is. Well, my mum and dad didn't, you know, they didn't put me up for adoption. That's abandonment, but it's not what I'm talking about. I'm mm. talking about three of your kids and you get the hand downs. So like we used to do. My clothes were handed down to my brother. He's got abandonment issues because he wasn't really cared for. I got the new clothes. He got the hand-me-down. So we went through life chasing them fucking new clothes. Can you believe that shit? No, it makes a lot of sense. Because you can see, like, I look at friends and I go, you can see what happened in the past, like, just yes. that you know about and how they are now. And you kind of go, geez, that's from that. But we don't look at ourselves. We don't, you know, we don't turn that mirror inside. We want to go... Oh, look at that. You know, they haven't dealt with that. They're still like that because of their childhood, the way their parents were. But we don't want to, we don't want to touch our own stuff. You know, that's body, that's no. hidden. And that's so when you see the treats come up as abuse as abuse. That's the only way to look at it is it's, 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 it's behavior that I've seen growing up and I think is normal. I thought everyone drank like I did. What the fuck? Going back to the childhood, I thought everybody was poor. You know, I thought everybody had holes in the socks and cardboard in the shoes when they walked to, to, to school in the fucking snow. I thought everybody did that. Apparently mm -hmm. they didn't. But my mum couldn't afford to buy shoes for me. But they could afford to go to the fucking bar every Friday and Saturday night. Did, you see, did they have holes in their socks when they went to the bar? This is the shit that I'm talking about. The people go, oh, my God. It's like, yes, now you're getting it. Hmm. It, it's quite amazing, isn't it? It's like we never think about it ourselves. We never think about, no. oh, we see the guy who's lying homeless on a street drinking. 
oh no, that you know they've made wrong choices. Oh no, that's never going to be me. But we don't see the own drama, the own shit, the own BS that we carry around. And that's why I wanted to have you on because you were the first one of the first people that would actually shine a light in this area and go, mm. we're not all perfect. We don't all have to be, but we can change our lives. And you can you talk about recover your life, not just stop drinking. And I think that was an amazing way of looking at it. And there'll be people just now sitting there going, but no, I can't change it. I can't change it. No, no. How do we start this inner work? How do we start? Is it journaling, visualization, or do we need to come to somebody like you who just slaps us around the face and gets us going? No, it, you know, it's it's real simple. What a great question, Ian. Jesus, what a great question. Yeah, uh, change your life from tomorrow, guys. You know, depending what time you see this, I know it's going live or tomorrow. When, when you when you hear this or see this podcast, when you get up tomorrow, make your fucking bed. Big change. If you already do that, walk in the walk in the bathroom, brush your teeth with your non-dominant hand. It will spark up neural pathways of doing something different. That's two successes. The brain thrives on successes. Okay. So if you're always failing, write five things down tomorrow morning that you're going to complete that day. Okay. So make it easy. Don't start putting hardship and I want to win the fucking lottery. Put five things down. Breakfast, gym, work, dinner with the girlfriend and read two pages of a book at night. As we go through the day, cross them things off. If you've done all five of them, five things that you put in in the morning that you was going to do that day, then we've taken a, a, a step forward and we've start to change. We've already, with them simple thing, we've start to change. Okay. Most people don't love themselves. So my routine in the morning is I get up, I walk into the, to the bathroom, I make my bed, obviously, but I walk into the bathroom, I brush my hand uh, only, only once a week or twice a week. I brush my teeth with my left hand, I look directly in the, in the mirror, and now I'm going to stack my subconscious brain. I go, I love you, mm-hmm. I love you, I love you 10 times. And then I come out and then I write my list, what I'm going to do that day, and I cross them off. And that simple rule, every successful person has a daily routine. You ask anybody that's been successful, they have, a, they have a plan, they have a daily routine. So it's all about mindset. It's all about how you can believe that you can change. The smallest thing I did brushing my teeth, this was years ago, 30 years ago, I knew it was different. Putting my uh, trousers on with the left leg first instead of the right. I always do the right for some unknown reason. Put your socks on first before you put your trousers on. Or put them, if you do that already, reverse anything. Where If you've got four, four pairs of sneakers and one's in red, one's in blue, pairs where one red one blue one day the neural pathways are changing they're looking at them and people go hey hey look right. change them fucking neural pathways and have that dream that's going to become reality so with me being a bodybuilder back in the day uh i was i belonged to NABA, national amateur bodybuilding association and arnold schwarzenegger came down to do some talks not not posing just come to do some talks NABA was bringing him over so i got I, me and a friend got uh picked to go and pick him up from the airport take him to the hotel and stay with him, make sure he gets to the shows on time. It was like three days of shows, that's all. But we're speaking one night. Now, this is back in the late 70s, early 80s. I can't remember. Pumpy and I had just come out, underground movie. He couldn't speak English. He was nobody. Everyone told him he's never going to be nobody. He's just a big hunk of meat. That's all he was. But as I was talking about mindset, because you have to have a mindset to do what he does, especially the dieting. And he told me three things with the mindset. He said, first of all, I'm going to become the highest paid actor in the world. After we stopped laughing, we asked him what the second one is going to do. And he said, I'm going to be, he didn't say I want to be. He said, I'm going to be a governor of a state, preferably California. We're like, okay. The third one, Ian, blew my mind. 
It's like, okay, you, you, you're kind if you, I mean, if you, you might do the first two. I don't think so, but you, the third one is impossible over here. He said, I'm going to marry into the Kennedy family. But fuck, you can't, you can't do that. And as he checked mm-hmm. one off and then two off and then three off, it all hit me about mindset. It's freaking unbelievable. You have to believe in yourself. If nobody's going to believe in you if you don't believe in yourself. Nobody's going to believe you if you're not confident about yourself. You know, if you, you know, I used to walk in a room and I used to, I used to walk in, cowered down a little bit when I'm drinking and trying to get better and I walk in head down and one thought crossed my mind all of the time. And that was, I wonder if anybody likes me in here. Today I walk in with my head held high and I go, hey, who the fuck do I like in here today? That's confidence. It's not ego. It's no. a difference. Ego went when they took my kids off me. That's confidence. And people will treat you. We attract what we think we are worth. People will treat you the way you treat yourself. Internal dialogue kills more people than anything else in the world. Anything else. Because we won't speak to another person the way we speak to ourselves. Which hits on what you said, Ian, is we always, we, we're the last person to get treated. We treat everyone else amazing, but us, we self-sabotage, you piece of shit. If I drop a pen on the floor, oh, you stupid idiot. Whoa. Yeah, you can't say that because the brain, mm-hmm. the subconscious brain loves that shit. And do you know when that's going to come to fruition? Just when you're going to go for that girl, house, car, job, you're a piece of shit. No, can't say that. Start replacing them with, oops, dropped a pen. That's clumsy of you or whatever. Just be positive. It's like that with the say it's don't let the biggest, you know, your biggest demon be the one between your your eyes. You know, like, how often do we sit there and go, you wouldn't let somebody else speak to you the way we speak to ourselves? Yeah, the stuff, exactly. the way we speak to each other and treat. So how do we set up our lifestyle, our houses, work with the people in our lives to make the change? And what happens if we do make a change? You know, how do we reset, recalibrate and restart and not just think, oh, well, may as well just go and start the habit again? It's all about, uh, like I said, believing oneself and resetting mindset and hanging around the right people. So if you're hanging around, if, let's say you want to stop drinking. If you hang around the people that drink every day, you're going to drink. Okay. So you need to move away from that. Move away. Okay. If you ever notice guys, them alcoholics used to drink with at uh, the pub, but you're in hospital right now because you've got alcoholic poisoning. Uh, did, the, did the manager of the bar come and see you? No. Did your friends come and see you? No. You know, you find out your true friends when you try when you, you find out your true worth. So you need to start looking around, getting groups, get on the internet, groups in your area. You know, we have what, what do we have uh, gather around or something over here where you can go to leaders, you know, classes for leaders. You, you can, you can join hikes with businessmen who are already successful. Get into them guys. And believe me, you'll start acting, mirroring part of the brand. You'll start acting like them guys, just like mm-hmm. you act like your friends you're already with now. I had a friend, I still have a friend, she's my best friend, and she used to say, I go, hey, what's up? And she'd go, what's up? And I fucking hated that when she said it. But you know, after about two or three months of hanging around, where she come one day and said, hey, what's going on? I went, what's up? Oh, for fuck's sake, I just said that. <laughs> so hang around with the guys you want to be, the behavior. And once you start being successful, because you fucking will, then you start believing that this is possible. Can you imagine me coming off the street? Are you fucking insane? We've only lived in this house for three years. When I pulled up, I'm like, my dad would die if he knew that this is a million dollar house. That fuck, I had to work on myself there and then. It's a daily reprieve. It's a daily education on oneself because we always want to slip back. Our mindset. Let's say for instance, England, Manchester. The main road out of there is, let's say the M6. 
Okay, the M6 is the main road. That's myself <coughs> sabotaging neural pathways. Every single time I'm going to go down the M6. I know it. It's comfortable. I know where I am and I know what it leads to. Okay, that's my thought patterns. I need to change that and start going down the A roads. That's how we change neural pathways by the stuff we just talked about. Is once you start believing yourself, other people are going to believe in you. And believe me, guys, the people listening at home, you have a fucking million things that are awesome that you can give to another people. If you're hanging around guys that don't appreciate you, look at the guys at school, the guys sat at the back, not do, not participating. You know, nine out of 10 times, they're the geniuses because the work's so boring, they ain't going to do it. Expand your mind, read a book, be careful what you're watching. If you're watching, you know, horror movies all the time, that is what we're going to see. It's like when we go to bed at nighttime. If the last thing you do at nighttime is look at Facebook to see if anyone's liked your photographs, you're going to fuck your night's sleep up. If you get up in the morning, the first thing you do is check it and see if there's any more likes. You've just set the plan for the day. So if you only got 20 likes and you wanted 100, you're already fucked. That day's fucked already because mm-hmm. the mind's going to continue self-sabotaging because you were really right when my dad says fucking 60 years ago that Rob, you're a piece of shit. It's going to come up. And it manifests in all different kind of ways. So no, please don't be perfect. Nobody's fucking, I love that I'm imperfect. Yeah, try new things. Open your mindset. And the biggest thing I will tell you, stop putting the brakes on your imagination. Stop it. Stop it right now. I don't, I come from, a, I come from, you'll not, you'll understand this thing. People don't understand around here. I come from a council estate. Yeah. I come from mm. the race course in sale. And like everybody knows the rate, oh, fuck that. Straight out of prison, straight to the race course. Yeah. That's what it was like. So don't tell me you can't do anything. Everyone I work with attained success. Over 7,000 patients right now. Achieving success. Don't let people tell you you can't do anything. Don't let people tell you you can't achieve anything. It's fucking wrong. We have a mind that can do anything, but it starts with you. I love it. I, I, I'm really disappointed. We're 55 minutes in, and I, I feel like we've only been talking for 10 minutes. I wish we could. I wish I had another three hours to go into. So definitely go <laughs> get you back on. But for, is there a need to make amends for things? You know, like, do we have to go and apologize to the people we wrong? Do we have to do this? Do we have to do that? Or can we just look at it and go, I fucked up in the past. I need, I'm going to use this now as inspiration to help people in the future. Interesting question. Again, no one's ever asked that question in 30 years of doing this. That's a brilliant question. Yes, is the answer. And I'll tell you why. The amends is not for them. Fuck them. The amends is for you. You're not going to pass you're going to keep that in the subconscious brain all of the time. We need to uncover, discover, discard of the shit that's keeping us in this fucking hellhole. So this is what I do. I have once, I have a couple of sentences. I don't care if I've raped you or I've stole $5 off you the same. Hey, J- Janet, can I come around and speak to you? Just, oh, fuck me, Rob. Just two minutes, I promise. Okay, come around. Walking. Hey, listen, I'm on a spiritual journey. You know, it's a matter of life or death for me now. It really is. Part of my past, oh, what a wreckage is. You was involved with that. For that, I regret. I'll say fucking sorry. I regret. Hey, listen, if there's anything you can do in, in future where possible, let me know. I walk out, fucking finish with them. I cross it off my list. Those people that can't be seen, I cross it off my list. Those people that's moved, I don't know where they are, they cross it off my list. If if they live in another country, uh, but I know where they live, write them a letter. Get it. It's for me. Get it off. Deal with it. Get it out. Uncover, discover, discard. Uncover what it was that you did discover the effect it's having on you. Don't give a shit about the other person. No, nobody gives a fuck about me. 
This is not about, oh, listen, I'm sorry, Johnny. Well, you, you, you should apologize. No, fuck you. This is me. And then mm. I'm going to discard that shit. I've dealt with it. Don't think. No. Oh, I do live in amends. Fuck you. That's the biggest bullshit I've ever heard in my life. Fucking live in amends. Get your fucking work done and get better and go and help other people and live the life. You know, if we look at the Bible, we look at the age group we're supposed to live to. Ian, I've got 15 summers left. That's all I fucking have. So I'm not going to be fucking worrying about these guys over there. Oh, I've got resentment against him. Get it out. Make your amends. Get out of there. You know, it's easy. It's quick. And I tell you what, you'll feel absolutely amazing after you've done it. And if you don't, text me or call me or fucking email me. I'll send you a hundred pound or a hundred dollars. How's that? Because I know it's impossible because we get rid of that shit and we feel the, we feel the weight off our shoulders. Now we can go to work. And what happens if you can't find that person or they've died or they've, you know, you can't reconnect with them? Is there a way of just, I know, because you've talked about spirituality, not religion. <coughs> I mean, I'm not religious in the slightest, but I, yeah. I agree with you that like that there's something out else out there. And, you know, like yeah. whatever you put out seems to come back. What happens yeah. if we can't meet that person, find that person, find whatever it is, make amends? Can we just put it out there or is it enough to do a good in another way to replace that? Well, here's my here's my deal because most people get hung about this. Well, Jamie's gone abroad. I don't know where he is, but I could find him if I try. Blah, blah, blah. He's gone abroad. Cross him off your list. If you come across him again, make amends. But you don't go out your way. Remember, it's for you. Mm-hmm. If you could have made amends, you would. That's the thought plan. Now, when people have passed away and died, I get my guys to write them an, an honest letter. You know, say whatever you need to do in the in the letter. Include the sentences that I've talked to you about about the wreckage of your past, and part of that past was you. And then you can do what you want with it. You can burn it. You can, you know, send it. You can go to the grave. Whatever you need to do with that, but get it off you. Most people come to me in trouble with the police. This is what I get them to do. And I've been told by these people that the burden was phenomenal. I have a problem with Dallas police. They arrested me. Okay, okay, calm down. First of all, write the amends I told you. Put it in an envelope. Don't put your name on it. Dallas police on the envelope. Get it sent off. You're done. This is for you. Some guy, some cop's going to open and go, what the hell's this? Throw it away. That's fine. It's for you, not them. So we can always make amends. Lefty moved and we don't know where they are, you know? But we never bring up the past to them. Hey, I'm, I want to apologize for the time I slept with your wife. Oh, my God. No, 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 no. That's why we use this word. It's if, he's, if he doesn't know, then you're going to upset him and there's going to be a fight. If he does mm-hmm. know, you've just reignited the thought pattern. That, you know, it's just, you just don't do shit like that. So how do you deal with confrontation? You know, especially if you've been drinking or drugs or whatever it is to hide from that. How do we actually keep that change going and step into the new version of ourselves as we're doing it? You know, how do we, is that the part that makes the brain go, instead of going down the A road, it takes, it goes off (coughs) the junk, it takes a sidestep. It goes, oh, I should have gone here, but we're going here. Is that, is that enough, do you think? Yeah, well, what happens is that the self-sabotaging your pathways are always going to be there, the relapse, the bad behavior. But you, this is what most people don't understand. Alcoholism will never come to you on a Monday and go, hey, Rob, let's drink today. It never does that. It's your behavior prior up to that, you know. Mm-hmm. I had an argument with the boss. Uh, you know, I've told her to go and fuck herself. That's the relapse, not when you drink. So you can repair that relapse to flip over, self-sabotage, do a prayer if you're spiritual, Sit down quietly, do some box breathing or do some breathing. Find out where you are right now. 
what part do I have to play in this self-sabotage? And you always find out you're going to drink at the end of the day. You can stop that. So the behavior can be changed from day one. Relapse happens a week or a month before, mm-hmm. easily a week before the incident of jumping back onto the, to the M6, you know, and we can recorrect. We, we teach people how to reconnect and direct back onto the A roads to make sure they're good. So at the Good Samaritan every day, be kind to people. You just said, you didn't knock it on the head, Ian. You just said that things always come back to you. I am 60 years old. I'm fucking old. My experience tells me that's 100% true. It's 100% true. Someone came to us a, a couple of months ago, mm-hmm. uh, probably a year ago, sorry, and they desperately needed, I don't know, 10 grand. And it's a lot of fucking money, $10,000. I didn't really know the guy. But because of his circumstances, we gifted it to him. Three days later, I walked to the mailbox. On, true story. Walked to the mailbox, opened the mail, and there was a check from the IRS we wasn't expecting for $18,000. It will always come back to you. That made me feel good. Not because the 18 grand, because of it always comes back to you and that I can give freely. I'm kind of speechless. Like, I can see how you help so many people. You're actually changing lives. You're not just oh, well, here's some, a few steps. You're actually giving concrete action advice. And we definitely got to do this again. We definitely got to get you on oh, and 100%. do a round two. Because I've had so much fun and I'd love to meet you in real life. And, you know, just even just the personal stuff you've given me just now <coughs> has started to sink in. Never mind what other people are taking from this. But what would you want them to remember? What would you want them to take from this as a, a sort of finishing message? You know, like, is it just that they, they are enough? That they, there is no matter where they are in life, that they can heal and recover their life? 100%. Like I say, just start realizing, talk to somebody, call somebody, get a great therapist or, or counselor that, that knows, do some research on them. But you are good enough, guys. I mean, you really are. There's no such thing as a real bad person. Anybody can change if you want to. And I did the bad stuff. I hung around with guys. The Quality Street Gang, any guys listening around Manchester, you'll know what I'm talking about. I was them boys. I was the bad boy. <clears throat> I was the guy beating up people for money, you know, stuff like that. I, I was that bad guy. Worked the doors for years in Manchester. Uh, you can you can change that. Hurt a lot of people. Hurt a lot of people in my past that didn't really need it or want it, but I did it. So yeah, you can change. You really can. Everybody's got a chance to do this. It's the reason why I'm doing it today. I could retire tomorrow and never work again. The reason I still do this shit is to make sure that people know that they can change. And they can change for the better. And once you start doing it, first step tomorrow, you know, make your bed, brush your, brush your teeth with the, with mm-hmm. the left hand if you're right-handed. And, and automatically the brain's going to go, oh, this is different. This is different. That's all we need. You can do it. You are worthy. You know, don't worry about being born with this crazy mind. No, you can change it. Neuroplasticity. You can change and mold a mind to your success. And, and, and success looks different. Success is being that father on weekend to pick your child up successful i could never do that you know so success doesn't mean money and big houses and cars it's success as being a man or being a woman especially men i get like men can be that man be that fucking leader because you never think you are but you are people look up to you people look look around you your kids your wife your friends start taking sticking your chest out and lifting your fucking head up high because you deserve it guys you deserve it i love that i mean it's probably one of the most important interviews i've ever done Uh, when i look back now and i think how much you're going to change people who are sitting just now going, oh, I can't be that person. You know, I have done this, I've done that. And you're saying, no, you can't, you just need yeah. to use these steps. And 
how can we keep in touch now? You have offices in England, you have offices all over the world, you know, and you're sort of getting your books and stuff. How can we keep in touch with you, connect with you, work with you? How can we, you know, start our own journeys? Well, I, I spell my name differently, R-O-B-B-K-L-Y. So put Dr. Rob Kelly in any search engine, you'll see it come up. R-O-B-B-K-E-L-L-Y.com is the website. Jump on there. Contact me on there. There's a, there's a, there's a, a button. You just press that button. The call comes straight from me. It doesn't go to my assistant or come straight to me and uh, we can chat. And if you want to do that, I'll give you a five minute pep talk that will change your fucking life. Uh, Amazon is where the book lies. I think it might be American Amazon. Again, mm-hmm. buy it, read it. All that money goes back into England and, and America. Uh, if you don't like it, find me on Facebook. I'll fucking refund your money. This is not a money thing with me. It never was and it never is, but. Yeah, come find me, guys. It's going to be fucking awesome. And until then, I will see you next time. Because there's going to be a next time, right, Ian? I'm already thinking when I can fit you in again. Like, I'm it's like thinking 10 minutes. Already... We've done 10 minutes. That's all we've done. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's weird. It's like I feel literally like we've just started. And I know. I know it's always somebody I can connect with when I'm thinking, what do you mean it's an hour? Oh, shit. You know, I I've, know. I've got... And I feel disappointed to actually say, oh, I've got to go, but it's, is there anything that you've got coming up that you want to promote? Is there anything that you want people to sort of jump in and interact with? Or is there research that you're doing that they can help out with? Maybe, maybe, but uh, I do a podcast every Friday at noon central, which is 6 p.m. in England and Scotland and Wales. Um, so 6 p.m. on Facebook, come find me. Uh, you'll see it there. It's public, so everyone can join. But yeah, we have different guests every week. No doubt we're going to have you on, Ian. Without a doubt, we're going to have you on. It's followed by a lot of people. So yeah, just just be part. Just like stuff, follow us, comment on stuff, keep everything positive and amazing. And listen, if, if I can do anything for anybody, that five-minute pep talk I talked to you about, click on the button of the website. I ain't going to fucking charge you. It's going to change your life. And if I don't change your life, I'll send you some money. It's never happened yet, but I will. <laughs> Well, that's it for another week, and thank you for listening. It's now time to take what you've learned and use it to develop and enhance your life with the key points mentioned. Listen, try it, embrace it, use it, and crush it. Now's your time to hit that next level in your life. If you liked this episode, then please leave a comment on the show notes or a review of the show on your podcast platform. Everything helps evolve the show. Until next week, keep seeking the next level in your life.